0: Due to harsh language and violent content, listener discretion is advised. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the horror suffered by a group of three adults, Stuart, Arnie, and Brock. Though they had experienced horror before, had they lived very, very long lives they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and the macabre as they were to see with this retrospective series. For them, a movie review podcast became a six-piece symphony of terror. The events of this viewing were to lead to one of the most bizarre podcasts in the annals of Internet history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective series. (laughs)
1: We're discussing The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, starring Dennis Hopper, Caroline yes. Williams, Jim Sadow, Bill Moseley, and Bill Johnson, directed once again by Toby Hooper. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Stuart in LA. This is Brock. And we are back in Texas, 12 years later. I believe that there would be no argument that the horror revival of the 80s, the Friday the 13th every year, Nightmare on Elm Street and such, brought Leatherface back to the silver screen.
2: I definitely feel like this was a movie that was maybe forced upon Hooper, who had been doing other stuff, all kind of horror genre-related, but he didn't seem anxious to recreate what he had already done. And even here, I feel like he decided to reinvent rather than try and do the unenviable task of making a direct sequel
1: and he came back to texas after the
2: grand hit that is poltergeist which maybe is not his movie i mean from what i understand he was there sometimes on set but not always
1: and then we had invaders from mars which had me checking the backs of people's necks i don't know about you i liked invaders from mars i thought that was a fun one and then he came back to leatherface and the family
2: I can't believe you're skipping Life Force. Never seen it. Oh, well, yeah, it's about vampires from outer space coming in from Halley's Comet or something like that. But you won't care about any of it because it's basically about this naked chick walking around killing people.
1: (laughs) And it has Patrick Stewart in it.
2: Yes, it does.
1: It's in my Netflix queue now.
0: I gotta check this one out.
2: Life Force was probably the reason why he had to go back and revisit Texas Chainsaw, because both this movie and Invaders from Mars were expensive Hollywood productions. Now, he had done some other slasher movies like The Fun House, but these had big expectations, and they bombed. Both of them bombed big time. Life Force probably deserved a bomb, but Invaders from Mars, I thought that was pretty fun. I'm not sure what the hate was on that, but for whatever reason, it didn't take, and he was forced to try and relive Old Glory, and I don't. don't know. It's different this time, guys. Even though they pick up the story and it's a continuation of the story, there's almost nothing about this that feels the same as the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: So why don't we discuss that? But you say the story continues. Stuart, why don't you fill us in for people who haven't seen this movie? Because I had trouble finding it on DVD. Why don't you give us
2: a plot summary? All right. Well, it's been about 13 years since Sally Hardison barely escaped the clutches of Leatherface and the cannibal clan. And the police have been unable to turn up any evidence supporting her claims about the torture and human mutilation. All of that. The traumatized girl slips into a permanent catatonic state and it falls on her wingnut uncle Lefty Enright, played by the wild man of cinema, Dennis Hopper, to bring the Phantom family to justice. Lefty believes that he's real close to getting the men when a Dallas disc jockey named Stretch audio records the car crash deaths of some obnoxious preppies who were prank-calling her station, and the unmistakable sound of a chainsaw can be heard revving in the background as they perished. Sure enough, the Sullivan family, as they're now known, have been making a living on the road for the last decade, turning human carcasses into award-winning chili that they serve out of the back of a food truck. Ghoulish brothers Leatherface, who's also now known as Bubba, and Chop Top, who's the twin of the hitchhiker from the original movie, are baited into coming out of hiding and attacking Stretch late one night at the radio station after Lefty convinces her to play the snuff tape on air. Leatherface develops a crush on Stretch and secretly spares her life while a distracted Chop Top bashes the head in of her station manager, L.J., with a hammer, and they take L.J.'s body back to their secret underground lair, which is located beneath an abandoned Texas amusement park. Stretch and Lefty are in hot pursuit, and the last half of the movie is really about Lefty trying to tear down the hideout, while Stretch is in various states of peril with Leatherface, who has to make a choice between her and the family, or to put more succinctly, a choice between sex or the saw. Lefty comes to the rescue, engaging in a spectacular fencing match with power tools before blowing up the family and himself with a grenade and stretches chased up to the surface by Chop Top and cornered in a tower where she uses grandma's mummified chainsaw to kind of recreate the ending of the original movie with her doing a bloodbath dance and all of that. We can get into the details, but that's basically the plot, but it doesn't convey any of the sense of the craziness and I would say the comedy that's in this one i know you guys had a lot of beef with me last time when i called it a comedy and i know it's not a comedy but it had a subversive wit this one is straight up yucksville though this is a comedy wouldn't you agree
1: absolutely i compared the last movie to the evil dead and here it's like we're straight into army of darkness
2: Mm, yeah, you're right Yeah, They skip Evil Dead too. This is pure send-up, pure parody I feel like Toby Hooper He knew it was a fool's game To try and recreate the grisly Low-budget shocks of the original It couldn't be done, he couldn't do it He would only disappoint And his only chance for making this worth anything Was to make the comedy more pronounced To make the satire Much more a part of it And it's in every scene, it's everywhere in this movie I don't know that it's a funny comedy But it's here. It's definitely a (laughs) comedy.
0: Yeah, I did get that. I also got one sense of that creepiness, and that was right at the beginning when he wins the chili contest. And that's it. Uh, The rest of it, I felt you were dead on. I think they were playing it for laughs, and it was, you know, the gory laughs. It wasn't even a black comedy, you know. It was beyond that. It was the Three Stooges with blood.
2: And that was kind of the trend. By this point, there we had been having about half a decade with horror, and I felt like horror was morphing into comedy. I mean, the Night of the Living Dead series had just come back with Return of the Living Dead, which had kind of taking that same scenario, but did not play it straight, was definitely playing it for laughs. And Gremlins was kind of a comedy. I mean, there was a lot of of these quote-unquote horror movies that had a jokey streak in them.
1: This movie, with its heavy 80s vibe, I mean, this movie has more 80s than perhaps any other we've reviewed so far with all of the neon and the fashion. And it's comedic horror. It's never a good thing when I'm making references to the stuff in my notes
2: <laughs> i wasn't going to bring up the stuff because i don't think anyone remembers that the killer yogurt movie but yeah <laughs> it's about as funny as that
1: yeah and that's all i could think of was with the over the top 80s niche and the preppies and all that was going on i just kept remembering the stuff and i can't get enough of the stuff
2: yeah yeah i feel like it's a betrayal i right off the bat i gotta say it was hard for me to see it this silly this quickly i mean i really thought that with toby hooper still on board that we would at least get some of the magic of the original back in here and i don't know here's something i distinctly remember that i had a weird sensation watching this movie this time they've changed it they've re-edited this movie when i originally saw texas chainsaw massacre 2 it was the first time i was seeing anything with leatherface in it and it was coming on cable and it starts with the scroll you know where it's telling you what happened long ago
1: and that guy is no john larroquette he's reading way <laughs> too fast and it's like the beginning of space balls he was just going way too damn fast
2: well, be that as it may, my problems w- weren't with that, but what was great about it was at the end of it, you just heard the chainsaw sound, and I remember being so frightened, I actually turned it off. I was like, Uh, I just don't think I can handle this movie tonight, because it was late at night.
1: You should have waited five more seconds for the chainsaw rap to chainsaw. I mean, that's what, what happens right after that is the chainsaw rap.
2: That wasn't there. That's my point. This movie starts with preppies shooting mailboxes and is much more jokey and that wasn't the way it started and had it started that way, I might have turned it off for an entirely different reason but it certainly wasn't <laughs> scary yeah. and I couldn't believe that they had changed it but this movie had gone through a lot of editing problems and apparently no version actually represents the version Toby Hooper wanted to put out there.
1: So we start with with that car chase in the version I saw and they're calling a radio station I couldn't tell if they like went to college or high school with Stretch or if they were just being annoying but why can't she just hang up the phone on them she's like hang up the phone and they won't and I'm like, don't phones work two directions even in radio stations? Couldn't she just hang up the phone? There's no reason that they couldn't
2: hit a button, but they, you know, like, yeah, that's just a plot convenience so that that she can audio record their deaths when they're overtaken on the road by Leatherface and the traveling family. But yes, is that stupid? Yes. And it's not the last thing that's going to be painfully stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I already, I didn't even know if they were in high school or college until they said they're going to their senior thing. And then I, because I thought they were frat brothers originally. And I still still not 100% sure if they are high school or college. Maybe they dropped it. I forgot. But I didn't get the impression they knew her. I just got the impression they were pranking her.
1: I couldn't quite tell. The yeah. way they were pranking her, I couldn't tell if they were pranking her as just somebody they heard on the radio a lot or if they were in class together but she was the one with the job and even though they were the rich ones with the really cool car
2: phone. Yes. I yes. love the car phone. You know, it doesn't matter. They're here to be hated on. It's yuppie scum. They are the typified, horrible yuppie, and much like Franklin, even worse than Franklin, they exist to... uh incur our wrath and Leatherface's saw.
1: And thank God they didn't stick around as long as Franklin. And one gets cut through the head and we get some great Tom Savini gore. And this is when I realized this movie was an abject comedy because it was just so ridiculous when the head's cut in half. It was true comical. It was Grand guinal And I just loved it.
0: The head looked really fake. You were talking last time about fake stuff. It looked like it was on a rod and moved it back and forth with the little spurts of blood coming up it was extremely comical and it was not at all effective and conveying what it wanted
1: i think that's what they wanted to do though i don't think they wanted to scare you i think they wanted you to laugh at how fake it looked maybe i'm giving it too much credit but i that's what i took out of it is they wanted it to be funny and fake and not a realistic grotesque
0: well because they had the front on shot of the kid like having his hands Near his head, like going, oh, and the kid next to him with the glasses, I guess, screaming a little bit. But when they had the back shot with his diagonal cut through his head, all like that, that took me completely out of it because it did look so fake. If you're saying that's intentional, okay.
1: That's what I took it as. Yes, it did look fake, but I thought it was fake in a comedic sense, not fake in a this is what they could afford sense.
0: Arnie, we mentioned last time that the movie was reminiscent a lot of House of a Thousand Corpses, here there are similarities to Devil's Rejects, a whole different kind of movie.
1: I seriously saw this movie, and this is where, for the first time, some of the House of a Thousand Corpses really started to come through. Now, first of all, of course, we have Bill Moseley, star of House of a Thousand Corpses, here, and now I understand why he was probably sought out for House of a Thousand Corpses, but the humor and the vibe of this movie felt a lot more like... House of a Thousand Corpses than the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. If, if you put a gun to my head, I would say that while he cherry-picked from the first one, Zombie took a lot more from the sequel than he took from the original.
2: Well, I really feel like Zombie is trying to be scary, at least in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. He is more campy, and clearly that's the vibe of this one. You're right, when you have Bill Moseley... Basically playing the same character, the parallels almost become too pronounced. Again, I question how you can, in your mind, recommend Zombie and not pay more of a debt to these Chainsaw movies.
1: This is my first time ever seeing Texas Chainsaw 2, and I wish that I had seen this before we did our House of a Thousand Corpses retrospective, because I think it is just astounding how similar in many ways these characters are and how much yes. That was taken from this. So then we're introduced to Drayton Sawyer, Chili Cook. And I'm watching this and I'm like, that actor seems really familiar. Where do I know him? Are you serious? I'm serious. He's aged so poorly. I didn't realize that was the old man, the cook from the first movie. I had to IMDb it.
2: Yeah, he's the only one that came back. Like out of all of the family, this is the only original cast member from the part 1 to come back in part 2. Yeah, I know. And yeah,
1: I'm I'm glad they got him back and added that nice continuity. But no, I I thought he looked so different. He aged so much in those 12 years.
2: He's fun. I like this guy. I think he's fun to watch. There is something authentic in his ugliness. Like it doesn't look like prosthetics. It doesn't look like they dressed up Michael Douglas with a, you know, false teeth or something like that. This guy's had a hard life and it just comes through and you can't fake that. I mean, as good as Tom Savini is, I'm glad that this is not prosthetics. And I found every time he would smile and be on camera and say fresh meat, I just was smiling too. I thought he was one of the things in the comedy realm that actually worked in this movie and there weren't many for me that did.
1: Yeah, he was definitely I mean, when he was doing all the it's the meat in the chili, lots Mm -hmm. of it. I'm like, I I, I figured he was with the family and I I paused the movie and looked him up and that was glad I did so that I could now relate him to his former incarnation in the first movie. But yeah, I loved him in this movie. Just absolutely loved him. I think the first movie had it been played a little bit more for true laughs instead of just the satire as we discussed last podcast he would have worked better here where they're going for yucks he works well
2: mm-hmm. i liked yeah, I him did. in both movies but he is greasy and scary when we need him to be and in this film he is funny when you need him to be he's winking but he doesn't even know he's winking and that's what's great about
0: it i, I liked him too especially in this first scene right i said before he has that great creepiness to it and then you know that smile. It's. I also thought and this might be a really obscure reference for you guys, but he reminded me of that old dummy Mortimer Snerd from Edgar Bergen with the big buck teeth and the big overbite. And it seemed like he was cartoonish, but at the same time. I didn't mind him being that way so much in this movie. It was it's a weird kind of a juxtaposition considering how it's completely different feel from the last movie but still a Texas Chainsaw movie, but I thought he worked.
1: Now, they're in Dallas now though. You know, it's a Texas Chainsaw movie, so they're in Dallas, which seems
2: like it would be quite a ways from wherever we were in that first movie. Right. That was rural out in the middle of nowhere. Texas, the Texas that isn't even on the map. Whereas this is very much an identifiable place. At the height of a sports event. I'm not sure what it is, but there's some kind of football game that's got the whole town revved up. And that's why the police are on high alert, because they feel like that's where the trouble is going to come from, from Texans acting out. I think it's an Oklahoma versus Texas game that it seems to be they have this rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas playing out and some big seminal game is going on here. Mm-hmm.
1: So we get the meeting between Stretch and Lefty and I had to laugh again at the fashion. I got to bring up 80s fashion when Stretch visits Lefty in the hotel room. Stretch isn't in, literally in denim from head to toe. She even has denim
2: boots. Yep. I like Stretch. I don't know how you feel about her, but in the last movie, there was no character that I really particularly identified with as a person. I mean, you feel bad for them as victims, but they're not particularly interesting as characters. And here, I genuinely liked her. I got her. That she was saddled in this rinky-dink radio station. She'd much rather be a journalist. She has to report on chili cook-offs and pretend like that's hardcore journalism. And all of a sudden, falling into her lap is this snuff tape. These kids die on air that she now can play back on cassette and uh, she this might be her ticket the big time i I liked it i liked that as a character i liked that she was set up to be ambitious and that it could cost her life
1: i liked her i i kept arguing with myself whether her voice reminded me more of margot kidder or holly hunter but (laughs) i liked her
0: I had a problem with that character, Stuart. I see that it might have been written that way, but it wasn't conveyed strongly enough to me that this woman in particular would hear these deaths and think career opportunity. Because later in the movie, she also makes some poor choices about sticking around when she should be running, yada, yada. So it may have been on the page, and you may have gotten it, but for me, I didn't get that 100%. I don't think I minded the actress all that much. I thought she did fine with what she was given, and that's fine, well, and good, but I didn't get that from the character. Oh, I didn't believe it, let put it that way. Question for
2: you guys. There is still a surviving member from the original attack, and... Any horror series that I can think of usually brings that survivor member to come back at least one more time to get killed. Did it bother you that it was Stretch and not Sally? Well, wasn't it kind of implied that Sally's dead
1: because Lefty— No, she's in in a coma. Okay, because Lefty's her uncle. Right, yeah. So that was kind of the connection there. It didn't bother me that Sally didn't return herself. So much time had passed both for us as an audience and for them as characters that, no, that didn't bother me in the slightest. I, I wasn't sure, though, that Stretch was going to be the main character because it was Dennis Hopper, capital D, capital H. I figured he was going to be our main protagonist. So the fact that so much of this movie went around Stretch Kind of caught me off guard. I completely I think agree. I you
2: guys are forgetting the fact that Dennis Hopper was not Dennis Hopper. I mean, I think you remember him from all the 90s stuff. But, I mean, literally, the man had not been on screen in a long time. I mean, he was mostly known as a fringe element who had directed Easy Rider and was so messed up on drugs you couldn't cast him in something because he would screw it up.
0: He also has the lead billing, so I guess that's why he and I are confused because— I
2: don't know that he would when the movie originally came out. I know that's what the video box makes it look like now, but I don't think that that movie was sold as a Dennis Hopper vehicle when it came out I think it was Leatherface's back this was Dennis Hopper's year. 1986, when this came out, Dennis Hopper had been way off the Hollywood map. I mean, I think he had his last movie had been Apocalypse Now, a Hollywood movie, and then he had gone off to Europe and done some stuff. But he was not working in Hollywood at that time. He was the burned-out hippie guy that nobody wanted to risk their neck on. And then all of a sudden, 1986, he had the triple whammy. He was the great villain Frank Booth in Blue Velvet, and then he had his Oscar-nominated turn and Hoosiers, an inspirational basketball movie, and this movie. And it just all of a sudden, he was so out, he was in again. And I got to say, this is not my favorite Dennis Hopper movie or performance by a long shot, but boy did I enjoy watching him on screen, and it was nice to feel like there was someone just as crazy as Leatherface on the other side of the law. That really, that was the intention here with Hooper of showing that everyone's crazy and everyone's a murderer and who better to convey that than nutty Dennis Hopper. I mean, really like it just, it's perfect casting.
1: Dennis Hopper is another one of the things that made me think of house of a thousand corpses, because if you remember the cop in that movie, the kind of over the top cop who goes to the fireflies house here, I think that that character was based a lot on the Dennis Hopper character because a lot of the same drawl, a lot of the same draw, attitude and i was a little nervous coming into this and seeing dennis hopper but as soon as he started delivering lines i'm like you know even in this silly silly movie he's just as badass as he was in true romance or speed and i went with it i liked him in it
0: i didn't mind him either actually i had the same reaction that you did when you introduced the movie today arnie when i said dennis hopper i was like dennis hopper kind of like danny glover in predator 2 but from the first scene i was like okay I don't mind him so much. And as he went on and on and on, I didn't mind him at all. So I was surprised how little he was in the movie. Because I too thought it was going to be about this cop hunting this family. It would turn out to be more about this DJ doing some investigative reporting on her own. And, you know, no time at all did she think about calling the cops, which makes no sense to me. So, well,
2: I mean, Lefty is a cop. He's a lieutenant, and she's working with him. And he said he'd be there.
1: Okay, sure. And she agrees to play the tape for him. And then we get Bill Mosley's real entrance as Chop Top. And I'm going to say something here. This scene is the only scene in any horror movie we've reviewed for now
2: playing that got a jump out of me. It was a jump scene. It is the best scene in the movie, and it's too bad it comes so early, but it is a good effective scene. It does exactly what this movie is aspiring to do, which is to be kind of funny, but also really creepy, and I think you're talking about when Leatherface comes out of the tape vault? Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. I jumped in my chair. It got me. Congrats. Me too. It was great. I was so captivated by Mosley, and Mosley is so malevolent. And he's, yep. he's so eerie, and you think he's the danger. And so when that chainsaw comes and it's really amped up on the decibels, and he comes out, I jumped, and I was so happy to have jumped
2: at something. Yep, now we saw the same scene there. It's a great scene.
1: Yeah, and Mosley just eats up the scenery, and I love him in this movie. Just love him in this movie. He's over the chop top, but I went with it.
2: I could have done with less of him. And I think it's one of those things where the more the movie had to rely on him, the less I liked him.
0: What was that whole thing with incoming mail? Because I'm saying incoming mail, incoming mail, whacking with a hammer. Is that supposed to be a joke I didn't get?
2: Well, I think you're overthinking it. It's a joke just because, I mean, it's it's a physical humor joke. I mean, it's not mail, it's a hammer. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I mean, can i, can I over explain this i mean it's uh you know it's it is it's what it not is.
1: funny but it's there
2: right you know, it's bill Mosley. But... it's you know you, you're either on his wavelength or you're not sunny bono wigs i mean he's just doing some kind of weird parody of a hippie and i don't know why he's doing that as much as he is but it's amusing at first and then it, slowly wore its welcome out for me. He's very good in these introductory scenes. He's basically, I was very confused at first. I thought it was the hitchhiker character, and I thought that the metal plate in his head was from being run over, and that the Nam reference that he made was a joke. Because, of course, why would anyone in this family go to Nam?
0: I heard VA Hospital, and I had the same problem. I was like, I was really confused who this guy was, and when he said VA Hospital, I'm like, this is a different person. But it, that's the only clue I got. I was so confused there for a few minutes.
1: What I didn't get out of this until I started reading some of the stuff on Wikipedia was that body he's kind of flapping around at the beginning is the hitchhiker from the first movie.
2: I was oh. wondering that because I couldn't quite figure that out and I'm glad that that I wish it looked more like him. Yeah
1: but, yeah, but that was supposed to be the corpse that had been run over by the truck. They tied him back together and were carrying him around because that's kind of what this family does uh, and yeah. so they were keeping the around and that was nubbins the hitchhiker
2: ah okay
1: mystery solved yeah all right chop top was somebody else and in a cutscene, i saw it even had chop top talking about how some gook sliced his head and it's the money he's getting from that that's financing the whole chili truck operation mm. oh so they went into a lot of detail in the whole let's revisit this family and try to m- figure out how they fund their operation I appreciate that. They knew 20 years later that we would be sitting around nitpicking it apart.
2: (laughs) Well, I appreciate detail work, and I'm glad that it wasn't just like, yeah, they got away. I mean, let's face it, it's very hard to believe that the police wouldn't have discovered them. You have two truck drivers the trucker that attacks Leatherface and the one that drives her away that saw these things. What's their take on it? I mean, they could drive the cops right back to the spot of where they saw the violence. The idea that this family could get away with that, what, burn all of their furniture made out of human bone? Like, it's nonsensical to think that their jig wasn't up and that the cops wouldn't catch them. So any level of detail they can provide at all as to what they would be doing and how they got away, I need that because the suspension of disbelief is really, really high here.
1: I will agree with you, though. There was one part of this scene that didn't work for me, and that's Leatherface is off chasing Stretch. After his chainsaw deflects into Chop Top's head, I do think it spends a little bit too much time with Bill Moseley complaining about his head being hurt or dented when we should have been focusing on chainsaw chasing Stretch. It was too indulgent for Toby to leave it like that. Yeah.
0: Here's my thing. It's that once he gets in the room and they see each other, It took a weird turn for me, and I think this is where the movie lost me. We're talking about earlier with the sexuality, with touching the chainsaw to her um, feminine area. She seems to sexualize it. He goes along. I didn't see where she saw the opening to start to sexualize it. And then once the chainsaw was against her, I was wondering, how could she possibly be that calm? In that situation. It bothered me the rest of the movie because she seemed to be going through these horrific things and then be pretty much calm until the last 20 minutes of the movie.
2: I think this is where the movie that Toby Hooper wanted to make and the movie that it ended up being really start to take a divergence. I'm betting there's a lot more stuff with Stretch and how she uses her sexuality to seduce and stay alive with Leatherface that is given the short shrift here. This movie was made by Canon Films, Golden Globus. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with their work. Anything Chuck Norris, Missing in Action, Masters of the Universe, American Ninja. They made Gore, the, the G-O-R. I don't know if you remember those horrible fantasy movies. Basically, really schlocky 80s movies. Terrible, terrible history with that company. And they keep bad company and run a bad show. And to hear everyone describe it, this was an unpleasant set because the project was taken away from Toby Hooper. Once they saw that he was making a comedy, they got mad, and they said, no, you're making Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're making a horror movie, and they took it away from him and recut it the way they want. And apparently there's a whole lot of footage that will never see the light of day that hasn't even been properly stored, so it has probably disintegrated, and no one can see it. But that there was a very different movie. And the woman that played Stretch in an interview was pretty frank about how she thought that this new version was terrible and that how her part had gotten wheedled
0: down. Wheedled down? So we get more of Stretch in the cut that Toby Hooper... Well, you know, she's an
2: actress. She wants her to be the star. So, yes. I mean, I think that that's the stuff that they lost and that some of this, what's going on between her and Leatherface and this Leatherface having to choose between the sex and the saw and all of that were things that Golden Globus looked at and went, we don't understand or like this. This is a movie about a man that takes a chainsaw to bodies and they recut the movie to try and make it as close to that as they could and in Unfortunately, you have a really compromised vision because I think Toby Hooper was going for something crazy and wild and he only got half of that up on the screen. I don't even know that this movie would have worked if had it followed Toby Hooper's vision because I just think conceptually it's not that
0: funny. Well also if that's his original vision I'm not sure if I would have enjoyed it anyway because one of the greatest things about the first movie was subtlety. There's no subtlety here. At the Mm. end of the movie with a table that subtlety as we talked about is (laughs) is not there but that's the whole point it builds up to that. Here there's none of that and I missed that a lot here. I don't have to see the same movie again, but it's called A Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I expected at least a little bit of similarities besides just Leatherface. In, in these first 20 minutes, I was like, this is nothing like what I expected from based on what the first movie is at all.
1: I will agree completely. This isn't what I expected. And this is completely lacking in subtlety. That said... I was going with it. I was no I way. was going with this. I was in just sitting back going, This is stupid. But it's not the worst thing I've seen. But it is kind of stupid. But Bill Mosley's good. It it took me for a ride, and I went along on the ride. Wow.
0: that's, That's great.
2: It should still be reaching for the creepy. I mean, what makes that ending of the original movie work so well is, although it's kind of madcap, stupid, crazy, there is still something really horrifying about it. Whereas here, there's just that scene in the radio station. There's nothing else that even tries to emulate a scary scene. And that's the problem. And another thing is that all the targets here are meant to be hated. I don't think any of the characters, I know we didn't like Franklin, but I don't think any of them were people that we thought deserved to get a chainsaw. Whereas here, everybody that gets it is is somebody that's contemptible.
1: Does the station manager, is he contemptible? I didn't really have a problem with him and he bites it. In fact, he's kind of nice. He sacrifices himself at the end when he's all cut up. Okay,
2: my point is that most of the characters here are yokel Texans and that this is Toby Hooper having fun at Texas expense. He's taking Texans stereotypes. That radio station manager is a stereotype. He's not a contemptible one, but he is someone that Toby Hooper Seems to feel is worthy of getting it. And yeah, I feel like this one is much more about punishment than the last movie. There is a scene that got cut that actually shows the football fans all congregating in a garage and Leatherface and the boys pull up in the rolling grill and go to town. I mean, it becomes really clear in a scene like that what this intention was, who this was aimed at, and and what his satirical points were. And I feel like, whereas in the first movie... There was subtlety and that, yes, there was a subversive turning on what the American family is and family values. Here, it's just way too blatant. I mean, to the point that it's not clever. It's just stupid.
1: Yeah, I I did see that cutscene and wasn't quite sure how it would have fit in with the movie I saw, where that scene would have
2: been. But yeah, that was... uh... That was what the whole movie was aspiring to be i really think that he wanted to make airplane with chainsaws like it really (laughs) was uh that broad of a comedy it was a yuck fest that he had in mind and you can see that in, in the preppies that get killed in the beginning and in certain moments these contemptible yokels that that they just Deserve to get it, and you you can feel like Toby Hooper wants to give it to them. And I didn't feel that way about any of the characters in the first one, even Franklin. Be damned! I didn't think he deserved a chainsaw.
1: Well, he the actor deserved a chainsaw. I don't know about the character. But <laughs> as far as this goes, keep in mind we're in 1986. Yeah. So by this point, weren't the horror movies already at the let's kill the bad people point? I mean, in the original, you know, it was around 86, mid to late 80s, that it turned from characters who you were supposed to root for to watching the bullies get the beat down.
2: Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger, really, is where that started to change as Freddy became popular, as Killers became celebrated. yeah. And I think we all know how I feel about that. I don't like it. I think that that's unfortunate. (laughs) And I just feel like these characters weren't designed to do that. Leatherface, very different, this Leatherface, than the one that we got in the first one, physically, for one thing. I love Tom Savini's work on this, but it's not the same we're going for realism, low-budget, raw look here. I mean, that mask is very clearly a mask. It's designed to be a mask. It's really leathered. It's stitched together in a way that makes him look... You know what I was thinking when I was watching this movie? Do you guys think about Goonies at all?
0: I think about Sloth. Because I get us thinking, baby? Yes. Yeah, the whole time.
2: The way that Stretch and him have this relationship very much feels like, like that, and then they go underground, and there's all these contraptions. Goonies was just the prior year, and I really feel like they were inspired in some <laughs> weird way to kind of recreate that, even though it wasn't even a big hit at the time. But I, I definitely was getting some, a weird Goonies vibe, which is the last thing I, I wanted out of my Texas Chainsaw sequel.
1: You are not the only one. I just found it funny that all Leatherface really wanted was some leather love.
2: Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that either. I mean, in the original one, I really thought it was powerful that he was so simple, that he was such a simpleton and that he just wanted to be the dutiful wife at home. And here, everything's done to the max. Like, he didn't dance every time that he killed somebody, but now it's like, if he pops on screen, you can bet he's gonna, you know, kick up his heels and do a jig. Well, that's (laughs) just like taking one thing people liked about the original and doing it again and again and again and again. And that's always my beef with a lot of sequels, is that they take one thing that worked in one moment and suddenly they're trying to build a whole Movie around it, and it just no, that's not him, that's not Leatherface. And I just don't feel like the character is Freddy Krueger, I don't think he's Jason, I don't think that they need to try and steer him in that mold. It doesn't work
1: well. You talk about how they go underground because Stretch follows them back to the homestead, and then Lefty shows himself he he was using her as bait to find them
0: after all that happened at the studio. When she's saying, Oh God, oh please, oh God, and because I'm cutting the ice, the whole thing, what does she do? She follows them
2: yeah it doesn't because,
0: make any sense to me
2: no, I, but, right, it doesn't make a sense to you because you didn't understand her to be an ambitious reporter type but that's exactly what someone that is trying to move beyond her menial job would do this is my big break this is my big story if i can bust these killers with lefty i will be a celebrated legitimate journalist
0: Stuart, my only point about her investigative journalism thing is if you almost get killed and you get yourself out of that situation, you wouldn't probably just right away follow them. I mean, I understand the lead is there, but wouldn't she want to run to the police or run to find the guy who didn't show up like he was supposed to or just take some time for herself to calm down a little bit or something She just went right after them.
2: Well, the movie's not trying to be realistic. I mean, that's the mentality of this movie, is that people are doing things they wouldn't normally do. I mean, Dennis Hopper wouldn't go to a store that specializes only in chainsaws and test them all out. I mean, you know, the the movie is pitched real big oh that was quite the
1: scene too wasn't it it
2: it was out there like so much of this it was real over the top and arnie i can hear what you're saying about that you kind of enjoy it because in a way i kind of do but in most ways i don't (laughs) i i i can honestly say that i felt like without the horror and the sickening realism that grounded it from the first movie this movie just became a cartoon and one that wasn't that funny
1: I, I'll agree with you that in a lot of respects i completely agree it's not even the same genre as the original the only series i can think of again that did this kind of abrupt change is evil dead but i got on mosley's wavelength perhaps because i am a fan of his from house of a thousand corpses i found mosley and i found the old man the cook to be just really amusing in this and even though at the times they were over the top and it kept getting worse as the movie went on
2: yes it did it, yes, did. it did the movie really once it confines itself to being in the amusement park i felt like the movie it stopped being anything i wanted to watch
1: and they find they have this whole underground contraption where they've kept franklin's body
2: yeah that was a surprise yeah
1: yeah so they took franklin's body who they killed out in the backwoods of nowhere texas and when they were on the run right after that they grabbed the kid in the wheelchair and take them with him to
2: dallas if there was no evidence to be found they would have had to destroy or take all of that with them so lefty gets to the grounds and starts
1: like what is he chainsawing to bring the whole thing down I, i wasn't quite clear
0: like you have a mine shaft and they have those wood supports that hold up the dirt above it he was cutting down those so it would collapse Everything. Well, the supports, the weight of the ground above would cave in the cave.
1: And they think Stretch is doing all
0: of this. Mm. They have no reason to think that he, another person was there.
2: I, they actually at first accuse Leatherface. They claim that he's, you know, flippant with his saw and that that's what was causing it. At, at one point, they make a passing rap. The, the cook, Drayton, accuses his boy of being the reason why the, it's falling down. But yes, eventually they think it's her. They don't suspect that Dennis Hopper is here, even though he's shouting at the top of his lungs in every scene in the second half of the movie that he's (laughs) going to take them all to hell. I mean, really, couldn't we have done with just one of those and like every time he showed up, saw something down and screamed the same line? It really it was redundant. And even though I loved Dennis Hopper and his delirious madness, I just got to say, I, I found the whole movie's sensibility tiresome and it just kept dragging on and on.
1: Here's where the movie kind of went off the rails for me and I stopped being able to enjoy it as much was yes Dennis Hopper just keeps cutting through stuff and then we get a complete rip on the best scene from the last movie which is the dinner table scene they even wheel out grandpa again and 12 years later he's still going I I want whatever he's on he's
2: 137
1: if human blood is the diet that lets me live another 102 years let me start (laughs) Okay. But here he looked like so latexy. Last time he really looked like something that had been taxidermied. Here he looked kind of like Freddy.
2: That's a Savini touch. I mean, Savini definitely felt like he was creating iconic-looking monsters. Whereas in the original ones, I really just felt like the crudity conveyed the horror. Like, it wasn't about looking at Leatherface and going, wow, what a cool face. It was just... I- ick a- and here it was really more like oh look at those stitch marks across Leatherface's mask like that's really cool it just changes it when you spend that much stylization on the monsters and that's what unfortunately tom savini's approach does is it makes it look cool instead of crude
0: i thought he looked like a dog puppet dog i didn't see a real man there at all Why even have him there the first movie had no budget this one had all his money and what does he do We get this gigantic set with all these bones and things. And then the way they do, they recreate the first scene, uh, the the last scene of the last movie. It didn't make any sense to me why they had to do that. It just makes no sense to me at all. So. I think. Honestly, from
1: what I've read, Toby Hooper thought there was a lot more comedy in the first one than the audience felt, except for Stuart. And (laughs) for this one, he wanted to redo it. He wanted a take two to drive home the comedy aspects that were missed in the first one that he saw that nobody else did. He's like, well, I'll make it bigger.
2: Yeah. No. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't use the word comedy and insert the word satire. That's He
1: used the word comedy.
2: Yeah, I mean, so... I get what he's saying. I mean, I I agree with him. But it does feel like if I can't make a scarier, gorier, more frightening movie, I'm going to make a more funny, subversive one. And I'm going to use, as my approach, all of Texas. I mean, it's not a coincidence that this takes place underneath a theme park about the Alamo and the whole history of Texas. I mean, he's really sticking it to Texas in this movie. And what he sees is, is a yokel cowboy mentality. He loves dishing it out. And that's the source of the comedy, is that the outlaw mentality, the the cowboy mentality, is to be vilified. They are as bad as this family of cannibals.
1: So when we get to the final battle, Chainsaw versus Chainsaw, Lefty versus Leatherface.
0: It's almost like Hopper was huffing and puffing to lift those things up after a while. (laughs) Yeah, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, so why he went armed only with three chainsaws and nifty holsters i might add don't know where he got those
1: (laughs) i think he took them from ash over on the set of evil dead
0: exactly i'm thinking to myself and i understand we're not looking at a realistic movie here but he is a police officer and i understand he has a vendetta and he has going after revenge and he wants to chop these people up as his family was but a double-barreled shotgun for a policeman a lieutenant seems to be the weapon you would bring into this situation I'm no expert. I've never gone into a cave full of cannibals. But I'm thinking, especially if you know they have a chainsaw and knives... That you would bring a shotgun, that would end it quick.
2: But Brock, you're missing it. Like the joy of it is only not in the logic, but the joy in it is of watching a chainsaw go at chainsaw. Like, we've oh. never seen that before. I mean, it's it's that base, it's that juvenile. Like you're overthinking about it. this. Is not. No, no, no. no how no, do no. we bring the villains to to justice? No, no,
0: no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, you go in there with a shotgun, and you have that chainsaw battle. But you pick the chainsaw up when you're in there. You don't bring one in with you. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's not what this movie is at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. about any semblance of logic. It's like trying no. to go, you know, Wiley Coyote really should change brands from Acme. Because that just doesn't seem to work out for him. We're that far into Looney Tunes. Yes, oh, yeah, this movie at this point that trying to think he should have brought a shotgun is you're right. You're not wrong in saying it, <laughs> but it's just it's like walking into a house that's burned down and gone. When's the last time you dust it?
0: I understand that. I, I wanted to see that chainsaw thing. I thought it was fun. I love the chainsaw going through a lot of faces stomach. I thought the whole scene was cheesy, campy fun. I really, really did. But the fact he didn't walk in with a shotgun, just like when. I would give I'm giving logic to when this woman just take a breather and in just you know instead of going right after them, those kinds of things bother me, like Arnie, you were taken out of it before in the last movie when you noticed the chainsaw completely missed the guy these even in this movie full of craziness, those lapses in logic just jump off the deep end for me, and I tell you this movie didn't start off with completely throwing away logic the movie started off with stuff logically happening
1: well yeah it's trying to win you over in the beginning and
0: allow you to descend into its chaos but the first movie in this series the Texas chainsaw massacre when it went to looney town at the end of the movie was completely earned and you went with it because of the build-up here that isn't earned at all and they start there (laughs) And they go farther and farther off the reservation that it's so hard to get involved in this at all. And then that's why I'm going to places like bring a shotgun.
1: Well, if I can take this argument and turn it on its ear, though, if the last movie started in gritty reality and ended in heavy satire, then didn't this movie just pick up right where the first one left off at the heavy satire and ended up in Looney Tunes?
2: Yes, it did. And unfortunately, the problem is the wit isn't sharp enough. Like, I don't know if it's entirely the performances. I don't think it's the performances because I like Hopper and I like Stretch.
1: This felt like a production out of control to me. It really well, did. yes. When I look at how much of the dialogue feels just so ad-libbed and how indulgent yes. it's edited. yes. It it was like, you ever see some of those movies, Lethal Weapon 4, you get the feeling that the actors and the filmmakers all had a great time on set, but the movie that came out wasn't really cohesive.
2: Yeah, well, they didn't have a great time on this set. There was real fractious involvement between Canon Films and Toby Hooper and the actors, and they didn't get to make the movie that, that they wanted to make, so... I definitely agree with you. I feel like Bill Mosley was just like, I'm going to just do this. And everyone went, okay. Yeah. But, and, you know, he had been doing that before. The reason why he even got the gig was he had done a little indie film called The Texas Chainsaw Manicure, I think it was called. And it was, you know, you can imagine. It writes itself, right? He's does an <laughs> nail salon and, yeah, you know, whatever. But he's been playing that character and will continue to play that character. And it's kind of fun to watch him play that character. But for me, it's all about moderation and unfortunately too much of the second half of the movie was relying on nut jobs like him to carry it when i really needed more i don't know if it's realism but i needed some more there there to really care about i mean it's just it was too absurd for me to hold on to anything
1: and then we get the final battle between chop top and stretch and Stretch does the dance, and I, I just, I don't know. I went with Leatherface doing the dance in the last one because, well, he wears human skin and it's a bit fucked up. But here, I'm like, I don't know that she would have really chainsaw danced. And also, it looked like she, too, had trouble lifting saw.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised Grandma's chainsaw had gas lift in it, and she kept pulling it and pulling it pulling it while the guy was slicing her back there. But before they have their battle, the cook drops her grenade by mistake in the cave's. And we hear a boom as Stretch and Chop Top leave the caverns. I had to watch it twice to realize that that boom implies everyone down there died. I, too, had to watch it twice, Brock.
1: I I did. I'm like, when the credits rolled, I'm like, what happened to everybody underneath?
2: Rewind. Yeah, It's such a rip-off that you have all of these crazy characters and all of this and a chainsaw duel and then suddenly just a grenade goes off and off-screen we're just to understand that they're all dead.
1: Huh? And it was a minor explosion, too. It wasn't like <laughs> flames erupted from every hole in the earth. It was no. boom. And I, I did have to watch it twice. I did find it funny that it all happened because the cook got his butt chainsawed and about bleeding.
2: I am quite sure that was not the ending for all of them and that they didn't have any footage to do anything else other than that. And that there was Golden Globus saying, all right, we'll just lay in a sound of a grenade going off and we'll shoot one shot shot of him holding a grenade and that'll be that
1: that could be because it did feel like there was one single camera set up for like all of the cook stuff with the grenade
2: yeah yes. I'm telling you that's not this that's not the movie Toby Hooper was shooting that's not the ending we were supposed to get he was leading to the Alamo they kept dropping references to the Alamo and I was like why is that because it's not even in Dallas but he was definitely making a statement about Texas and their whole staunch not giving in attitude and it was built underneath an amusement park that was a replica of the Alamo they were going there and And even when she's dancing there at the end, it was like her last stand. I know that there was going to be some statement about that, and we didn't get it. And unfortunately, the whole second half of the movie feels terribly compromised, not very funny, and a real waste of time. A real letdown.
1: So are you saying that the family lives in the Alamo's basement?
2: <laughs> I love Pee-wee but I, I'm not saying. That.
1: <laughs> so that only leaves Brock Stewart. Do you recommend The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Brock?
0: No, I do not. I did not enjoy this movie at all. I think it's a serious departure from the first movie. I think there's no fun to be had here. The over the topness is gets old quick. I do agree with Arnie that I thought Bill Moseley did a very good job in the movie. I did kind of like the cook here and there. I thought Stretch and Hopper did fine. It's amazing how I have very little problems with the performances in this. I have big problems with the choices. I have big problems with the script. I have big problems with the direction. I have big problems with, with all this extra money. This is what they do with it. I didn't have high hopes going in, but I certainly had more expectations of getting something at least a little closer to that first movie. This is a completely different movie and different feel, just with one holdover character. And it completely feels like we want to get our money that Freddie and Jason are making, and we have this character. Let's put him in a movie and get some cash, because that was popular then. And and that's what completely feels like to me. I mean, it's only one movie before this, but that's why I really shouldn't say it doesn't feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But what made the first movie interesting and a cult classic, in my mind, of what made that cult classic, is completely missing here. So, no, I do not recommend it at all. Stuart?
2: Uh, agreed with everything Brock said. that If you liked Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what it accomplished with that first movie, it's hard to think that you would be okay with what's done to those characters. And the way so much of it is thrown out of the window. That said, I try to watch the movie for what it is. And I would say there are some things that I kind of like in the beginning. The silliness. It does emulate some of the goofiness of Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2. And I could go with that. But that fun kicks off really pretty much right after the radio station scene and becomes a real chore to sit through. It's just not any good. And I don't know who to blame, so I blame everyone. It's just not very good. (laughs) And I don't recommend it.
1: And I had to give this a lot of thought on this one. I really did. Because I want to be clear, this isn't a good movie. It really isn't. But a lot of times, especially with some of these horror series, we go, well, you know, that movie's kind of shitty, but we enjoyed watching it. And here's the thing. This is my first time watching this movie, and I kind of enjoyed myself, but I know something about this movie and about myself. I'm going to watch this movie again and again and again. Because I had a fun time with the characters in it. And yeah, it starts off on its strongest moments. I, I, I like the opening with the preppy car chase. I love the scene with Bill Mosley in the radio station. And then, yes, it does have a very fast fall off a cliff. But there's a lot of quotable lines in here, there's a lot of great performances to glam onto. So I'm going to give this a very weak recommendation. And I know that. Brock, you said there's no fun to be had. I completely disagree. I thought this movie was fun. And the only reason I can say it's not a complete betrayal of the series is because, well, the guy who created the Texas Chainsaw Massacre created this. So, he knows what he wanted to be. And I think that perhaps people would have said the same thing if anybody but Raimi had come back and made Army of Darkness. They'd say, oh, you betrayed the series. Well, this is the filmmaker and where he wanted it to go. And I think that this is possibly going to be one of the more original installments we're going to see in the rest of the series
2: oh boy i am worried about where this is going from here and the fact that toby Hooper's not involved the fact that they can't even get leatherface back or even the rest of the family back i am worried i don't know what the next two movies hold and i don't suspect it will be good
1: well we will find out but i do give this a weak recommendation
0: and I'm really glad to hear you did find some enjoyment in this movie. As I said before, I think we have rec- all recommended movies that aren't great because we enjoyed watching them. I couldn't find that enjoyment here. I'm glad you did. I'm sure some of our listeners will have found some of that enjoyment as well. And they can tell us about it in the forums. You can go to our website at nowplayingpodcast.com. Find those forums links there, and you can go and tell us about your thoughts. You can also post your thoughts on our Facebook page as well as follow us on twitter we're now playing pod on twitter and we post reviews little kind little mini reviews of things we see during the week that aren't part of the retrospective series new movies older movies etc all four or five of us do that so check that out at facebook and twitter you can also go to our archive section on our webpage which is now playingpodcast.com and you can find the archives are full of other retrospective series like halloween friday the 13th star trek terminator A whole bunch of great stuff there you can listen to. Our Karate Kid retrospective that's still being downloaded as of this recording at record numbers. We thank you for that and thank you for your support. If you enjoy our shows... Besides going to the archive and listening to older shows, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive review so other people like yourselves can find us and we can continue to bring you Now Playing Podcasts into the great future. And don't forget, we are still accepting
1: donations at NowPlayingPodcast.com at the bottom of the page. And anyone who donates... $10 $10 before Halloween gets our Child's Play retrospective. Stuart, you now know we're doing this, right?
2: <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to spending the money. I mean, seeing the movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that is going on only until October, and then we will never, ever release Child's Play again. So, Oh, my God. Really? Really. I mean, even if they do another one, we'll just do that one,
0: and that will be it.
1: So this is your chance. If you want to hear us, if you want to fuck with the Chuck... And you gotta donate 10 bucks.
0: Is that an actual tagline?
1: Yeah, don't fuck the Chuck. Wow. Chucky Part Three, it's coming. And you can hear us talk about it, but it's gonna cost you a little bit of dough. So please donate.
0: It's a a donation, folks. Think of it as if you go donate at PBS and they give you a $100 t shirt kind of the same idea but we're asking ten dollars it comes out to be two dollars a show it's a donation to help us keep this running we're not pocketing this money folks we're, do- we're taking the money investing it right back into getting bandwidth and better web pages and 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 things like that to make this show more affordable for all of us yes
1: because we're not corporate funded, we have no sponsors, we have to pay for the movies we see to review. We, we have to all fight our video stores to get the rentals and go to the theaters and all of that, and we just are trying to break even. So if you can, donate to the show, and $10 is the minimum. If you can afford more, and we know that these are hard times we're all living in, but if you can afford more... Please think about donating more. And again, we're not selling anything. It's our way of saying thank you to the people who are donating.
0: Yes, please. Thank you.
1: And so, Brock, Stewart. in addition to Talking Chucky, we will be back next week to discuss Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre
0: 3. Oh, I guess he survived this one then. Well, we didn't ah. see
1: any dead. I mean, kind of hope Bill Mosley's coming back, but I know he's not. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we get Vigo Mortensen. What? Really? Yeah.
2: Oh no, I'm intrigued.
0: Okay, <laughs> so we'll be back to talk about that next week. I wonder if he'll fight someone naked like in a in a bathroom again. Too scared. Yeah, I guess it was. I got it. No, he, he's out
1: there with a chainsaw. No, no, he had a chainsaw. He was chasing me with a chainsaw.
0: Thank you for listening to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective series from Now Playing. It's what the public wants. I- Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we cut into a new installment in this classic franchise. People may not
2: remember what we say here tonight, but they sure as shit gonna remember what
0: we do. You can find other Now Playing retrospective series, such as Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Saw, Terminator, Star Trek, and others, at our website. Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night go to nowplayingpodcast.com and click the archives link to find those series as well as individual movie reviews such as Avatar and Inception.
1: We got the means, we got the
0: machine. And while at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films with other podcast listeners. First, I'm going to kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post new episodes, and the Now Playing hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com.
1: Welcome to my world.
0: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. If you enjoy Now Playing, please support the show. You can find a link to donate to the show using PayPal on our homepage, or you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more at the Now Playing Cafe Press store. If you need anything, just
2: tweet.
0: <laughs> and remember, if you make a donation of $10 or more made by October 31st, 2010, you will receive as our thank you the exclusive Now Playing Child's Play retrospective series. Now Playing, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is edited by Jay and Arnie.
2: Boys, you never should have been doing this.
0: Now Playing is not affiliated with New Line Cinema, Canon Films, Columbia Pictures, or Platinum Dunes. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the intellectual property of its copyright and trademark holders, and no infringement is intended. i speak plain. Saves time. Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010. Brazos. Brazos. Yippee-yay. Actually, it's... it reminds me of Species, that she was naked almost the whole time.
2: Well, you're, you need to swap that. Life Force came out, I think, in 1985. Species okay. came out in 1996.
0: So but I've seen Species. Yeah. Yes. Well, my was with touching the chainsaw to her um feminine area, and I thought that her was her jay uh, Yeah, her, you know, her, 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 her place. So I i just, I can you not say it? I, I don't know how, how PG we keep in this. You know, we haven't cursed. We're not keeping this PG at all. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's it's the hoo ha. So she, it's against her. So and, for rated R, he goes hoo ha. Um, you know, I'm trying to be I'm a good citizen. Yes, please. Thank you. You're welcome. Passing to you. <laughs>